hearts and let our Lord um, uh, your people to receive your word with joy. And I pray that there will be victories in our hearts this morning. And uh, bless the Lord your people. Just never pray. What a beautiful song. I cannot expect that that's a song really that um, will be sung this morning. And um, it's just um, a very fitting to our message about the Lord Jesus Christ and His return. Because um, I do not know why the messages are flowing in this, um, you know, fashion where um, I am supposed to uh, take up, you know, the a message of, um, you know, beginning from our year, this, this year, um, about the Word of God, and, and then it shifts to salvation messages. But again, the Lord has, um, you know, it is His Word, and He's the one that will, um, you know, uh, give your, His people the Word, uh, the pastor, the messengers, the, uh, the, the preachers, the Sunday school teachers, they're just um, uh, the Lord's mouthpiece. Um, so the, the, the book is really coming from him, and the title of our message this morning is really uh, matching to the message of the choir, the Lord is coming again. And because of that thought, you know, we are supposed to be the kind of people um, that, you know, will really look into this and, and prepare ourselves for his second coming, because he indeed is coming again. Now that the belief of this truth, the belief in the truth of the return of our Lord, uh, Lord and Savior, uh, it is urged upon us. It is, it is like, you know, uh, proclaimed upon us in the New Testament and, and in the Old Testament even. And all of these things that have been written here supposed to give us the incentive to live a holy life. It's supposed to be, you know, the reason why we need uh, to choose the right thing and do the right thing and, and, and serve the Lord while we can because time will come, there will be no more time. Time will come that these things that are, that are in our hands today will come to a halt. The things, what are the things that's in our hands today? You know, coming to church faithfully. That's in our hands today. We cannot have it to reach it to heaven because we are planted there. We cannot go out. We will be worshiping the Lord day in and day out, 24-7, and not just for a time, but for all eternity. We will be worshiping the Lord, but here is different. There in heaven, all of us, we, because we have understanding. We have understanding of himself. Therefore, all of us will evolutionally uh, serve him. But here we have we also have, you know, uh, the volition. God was our volition. God was our own personal, like, coming forward by our own authority. Not someone dragging us or pushing us. Not someone that's forcing us to worship God. But rather, the worship of God that can happen, supposed to be in our time today, is coming or emanating from our heart. It must be coming from us, not from someone outside us pushing us to do something for God. It must be, you know, something that, you know, uh, not the parents are. If you don't go to church today, next week you have no problem. <laughs> Sometimes we think we written our kids to do something good so that, you know, because we know what is good. 
But coming to church, coming to God, worshiping the Lord, the, the worship must be coming, supposed to be from the heart. Yep. Not from our parents, dictator, right. or from yeah. anyone else. Because, oh, my boss will be angry at me if I don't go to church. No. The Lord must be worshipped with all volition, with all the sincerity and, you know, the purity of our heart. When we come to the Lord, Lord, I come today because I love you. Lord, I come today because I want to worship your holy name. Lord, this is the least that I can do. I, I, cannot, I cannot give you, Lord, all the, 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 the honor and glory maybe, but Lord, there's something I can do. I can worship you with all my heart. That must come from within you. And knowing these things, knowing these things that we have read, is very concerning that so many Christians, so many people, do not really pay attention to what God has said and, and, and proclaimed ahead of time that when He comes, He's going to do these things, and, and still people are, are doing something in opposition to what God wants them to do. And here it is very clear in the Bible that. This world will be will be uh, dissolved. This world will crumble and explode. And because the Lord has done this, and the Lord wants wants this, um, you, we need to understand that we only have few minutes to prepare. We only have few, um, you know, time and hours and weeks to prepare. Now, if we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, this must affect our behavior. The things that, you know, this must change our thought and, uh, uh, you know, thought processes and thinking in this world. Look at these verses here and, 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 and notice um, what God has said in Luke chapter 12, verse number 43. Look at these verses um, and, and other verses later on and, and we will see what the Lord would speak to us. You know, in order for us to, to, to affect our conduct, to affect our service towards Him, the Bible says here, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. In other words, when Jesus Christ would come, he will save people not really prepared. People will be surprised. People will be stunned. People will be, will be will, 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 will stand in shock. Wow! They didn't have time to, to go back to their, to their house or to, to prepare something. They have no time. When the Lord Jesus Christ will come, you will come and there's no more time. And a lot of people will be ashamed because people are not preparing. The Lord wants us to prepare whom his Lord when he comes. That word does not imply that oh, a question when will come. That word implies that he will come, and it is certain that he will come, but he does not tell when is the time. The problem is because of the, um, you know, um, um, this is, his coming is imminent, and we do not know when. Sorry, Luke 12, 43. Luke chapter 12, verse number 43. Whom his Lord, when he cometh, that implies to us that he is really and he will indeed will come, and when he does, 
It is expecting each one of you, each one of us, you know, shall find so doing that your heart, while you are doing your job, you are focusing on your job here, but at the same time, your heart is focusing on the Lord's coming. While you are doing your work in your companies and while you are doing your chores in the house, while you are providing uh, food for your family, while you are leading your family, your heart is thinking of the coming of the Lord at daily time. Daily time. You see, 2nd uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God. Now also this verse tells us that there is this you know, opening of all secret things. Whatever secret, whatever things you have done in secret that will be profaned, everyone can see and even those, you know, um, the words that you whisper in the ear will be proclaimed in the housetops. In other words, there will be a great, you know, uh, wow, I cannot imagine these things because the Lord will bring to life the hidden things of darkness. Every secret thing the Bible says in, um, uh, is it that, um, is it in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number um, 13? Give us, uh, give us here the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, whether it be uh, with, uh, with all secret things, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Everything will be open. Secret things. Secret things that you do, you know, in, in something that no one sees. But I will tell you, there's some big uh, white eyes looking at you when you do those things that, you know, in secret. And not just things will be open, everything also, you know, uh, will be known, even the concepts of the heart, even the imagination of the heart. What, what is your aspiration? What is your secret ambition? That will be open, that will be known. Second, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse number 2. <clears throat> this is the reason why we need to behave. This, the word of God, the, 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 the reality of, you know, the, the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ and God would make us change our behavior. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. You know that Bible is things above. The church like this is, you know, things above. Um, um, so winning is things above. Um, loving our neighbors, loving our family, loving our, even our enemies is a thing above. God wants us to set your affections on things above, not on the things on the earth. Not things on the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. With Christ who is our life shall appear. Oh, no, another thing. And 
happening, this verse confirms that Jesus Christ will come again. There is no shadow of doubt. He is coming again and is getting ready, and the time is at hand. But we do not know exactly when, but that is not very far away. That you know who is alive, who shall appear, and then shall he also appear with him in glory. There is an advice. What is, what is that advice? Verse 5. Mortify. What's the word mortify? It says put to death. Kill it. Mortify. Put to death. The, the sins that we have, that we love, those things, sins that we enjoy, those sins that we really delight. The Bible says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You see? And while you do that, wait for the coming of the Lord. Wait and wait and just watch. When you stand in the church, you know, be there in the church. When it's time for your devotion, be there, attend to your devotion. When it's time for your Bible reading, you know, attend to your Bible reading. When it's time for prayer, then pray. And then wait in that manner. Wait. James 5, 7. James chapter 5, verse 7. <clears throat> James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. You see again this coming of the Lord. Always in the verses that we are opening this morning, there is this coming Lord. Behold, the husband man waited for the precious fruit of the earth and had no patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord groweth nigh. I will tell you, the coming of the Lord is closer today than yesterday. The coming of the Lord is getting closer and closer and closer. We are stepping towards the coming of the Lord. And the question is, are we ready? First yeah. John chapter 2, verse 7 to 8. Why we need to be ready? Now, as, as a pastor, as, a, as this pulpit here, we need to see, you know, how are we going to prepare ourselves? Because the reason why we have the church, the Lord loves us. I will tell you, the Lord loves me. The Lord loves you because He gives us the church where we can worship Him and while worshiping Him, we prepare ourselves for His coming. Because a lot of people in this world with the Lord Jesus Christ of God, they are not prepared. They are not ready. And when the time that they realize that Jesus Christ is here, then there's no time for them to prepare. But the Lord loves us and I can see that that the Lord is really good to us. First John 2, 28. And now, little children, abide in Him. What is that the word abide? Stay closer. Stay close to Him. Do not, you know, let lose your, your, your devotion and all that. Abide. Stay with Him. Abide in Him. That when He shall appear, again, there's a word appear, and He's coming. Um, uh, we may have confidence. The word confidence that we will not be afraid. Lord, if you come today, Lord, my heart is ready. Lord, if you come today, Lord, I have shared the gospel to the people. Lord, if you come today, Lord, I have I have no sin hidden in my heart. Lord, if you have come, that, that is being confident. This is what God, this is what the prophet is supposed to be doing. To prepare the heart so that the people would be confident when Jesus Christ would come. He said, Abide in him that when he shall appear, when we have confidence. And that 
be ashamed. Why is this? Because last and that millions and have billions of people will be ashamed. When Jesus Christ will come, a lot of people will be ashamed. And that is the reason why God does not want us to be ashamed. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. And we need to you know, uh, prepare our, ourselves and our heart for the coming of the Lord. Is that here? Um, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Verse 59. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Chapter 3, verse number 1. Chapter 3, verse number 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And if that not yet appear, what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We have imagination of the face of the Lord Jesus. No, that imagination of the face is really wrong. Because we base our imagination of the face of Jesus in the posters, in the crucifix and all those things that we see. The face of the Lord Jesus Christ is different than we imagine. That is why this is the exciting thing that we shall see his face and we shall see him face to face. Never happened in the history of man to see the face of God. But now time will come that we can see his face. And that is a, something to look forward to. Something that is so much a great blessing for the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let us take a look at this our text in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 11 and 12. These two verses here are really um, important, important verses. And um, we see what God says here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 11 and 12. And then uh, we follow this uh, and we see the comment of a, of a person, uh, uh, an old time expositor, um, who wrote this verse while seeing this verse in, in 2 Peter 3, 11 and 12. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking forth and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall dwell with fervent heat. So here, this 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 um, expositor told us that the fact of the imminent return of Christ ought to be allowed to exert a deep and abiding influence on us to induce us to lead a holy life, to lead a holy living. We should feel that. There is nothing permanent on this earth. That this is not our abiding home. And that our great interest, um, our great interest are in another world. And that is the world to come. And we should be serious, therefore. We should be humble. We should be prayerful. And should make it our great object to be prepared for the solemn scenes through which we are soon to pass. And it says here, Father, here he said, a habitual contemplation of the truth that all we see is soon to pass away will produce a most salutary effect on the mind. 
Is, is that it, it would make us serious. It would make us to this, uh, not to desire to accumulate what must soon to be destroyed. It would prompt us to lay up our hearts in heaven. It would cause us to ask with deep earnestness whether we are prepared for these amazing things should they suddenly burst upon us. The, the word of God is enough to make us, you know, propel us to prepare. Because at any time, all these things will just come before our eyes. And because once it comes, you cannot prepare. The time to prepare is now. Not later. It is now. Now here in the book of Second Peter chapter 3, is a beautiful chapter here. We can extract perhaps five characteristics of the Christian in whose life the truth of Christ's return is a practical book. It is a practical book. When, when we think of Christ's return, we need to look at our holiness. See it yourself. See that whether or not when Jesus Christ would, 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 would come and appear at this very moment and you stand before him without concerns of sin, without any concerns of um, hidden secret things in the mind. If we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again soon, we shall seek to live lives that are Christ-like, holy, blameless, and God-glorifying. In 2 Peter 3, 11, that's what it says. Verse 11 and 12. And in fact, verse 14 too. It says, seeing then all this, that all these things shall be dissolved. This building will be dissolved. The house that we are staying now is a beautiful house, but that house also will be, will be dissolved. The buildings, the tall buildings that you see in Oakland City, in the CBD, all of that will be dissolved. The ships will be dissolved. The islands will be dissolved. Everything will be dissolved. Now look at that. You put all your labor and your heart and your time and your all your life for those things that will just be dissolved. Seeing then all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? What Apostle Peter was saying here. You see these things, that's, that's enough to prompt you, that's enough to move you to do something in preparation for the coming of the Lord. Verse number 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Wow. These two verses here, if we, we, we take a look at this very closely and ask ourselves and, and, and uh, you know, consider ourselves and see whether when Jesus Christ would come, what would my reaction be? Now, if, if someone from heaven would say to you, you only have two hours. You only have two hours. What's your reaction? I will tell you what's your reaction. 
Every minute, every second of the two hours, it was very precious to you to prepare. You will scrape every, every, you know, minute seconds there. Because you don't want to lose that two hours. That's precious two hours. Many Christians would need a bit of, um, you know, preparation. Probably they would begin to start with apologies of the things that they have done, ask the Lord for forgiveness, or maybe there will be a lot of things you know, to be to be thrown away, a lot of books to be burned, the CDs and DVDs and electronic files to be washed out of your cell phones or whatever. You will not waste time and you will go forward and talk, talk and call and, and tell people around you that Jesus Christ is coming very soon and there's no more time. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. You would say those what missionaries are speaking and you will say those words what pastors are saying. I will tell you, you, you will be like missionary all of a sudden. You will be like uh, confessing here, confessing there, and asking people, did I steal against you something? If, if I come, please forgive me, and you go around people asking for forgiveness. You will check all this, oh, did I owe people money, and you know, I have to, you know, I have to pay all this and pay. And some people say, no, 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 I will pay. I will tell you, I've been waiting and waiting for the rupture of all my life so that I don't have to pay my debts. Some people are doing that. They want God to come because they are, they, are, they, are, they are full of financial problems. Lord, please come now. <laughs> I want this to end. I want all this to be uh, washed away. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes, we must be ready. But the truth of the matter is, there is no such thing as two hours. There's no such thing as that the Lord will not tell you how much time you have. All we need, all we need to do is now. Yeah. Do it now and act now. Yeah. You do not know whether you can still get come, come back here next week. We do not know. I do not know I can still be here next week. The time is now. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time. It vanishes away. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming, and that is a clear fact. And he may come soon. And because of this, the practical effect of this truth, my friend, should be an incentive to live a holy living. Because he is coming very soon. You know what? Think about his coming and then just do what you can do today. You don't have to drop your job, you don't have to stop your schooling or whatever. You don't have to stop what you're doing, but do all things you can do, but your heart is preparing for the coming of the Lord. You see, God desires upon us that holiness, He desires upon us spotless, blameless. That's what He wants. And that's what God wants all of us. Colossians 3, verse 2. 
Colossians 3, 2 again, set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ is your life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory, mortified or put to death. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication and illness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And jump to 1 John chapter 2, verse number 28, the verse that we read before. John chapter 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, and now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Secondly, when we think of Christ's return, we do not just look at our holiness, but also we look at the world to come. We need to be prepared for this world that is coming. When Jesus Christ would arrive, when Jesus Christ would appear, he brings along with him that world that is going to come. He is going to reign. You know, a 1,000 year reign. And the Lord Jesus Christ will capture Satan and put him in the bottom of this pit. And then our oldest people will be saved. And the raptured people will come down. And then when we come down, then there will be peace in this earth, 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ. That world that after that, there will be so, so many things after that will happen. The battle of, you know, uh, the, the Gog and Magog again will, will, will strike. And the war between, between God and Satan for a short moment or season, and then Satan will be finished and he will be thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the cross prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then the Lord Jesus Christ and God will bring down the new heaven, Amen. the new earth. Amen. And then that along with it, the new Jerusalem. Amen. And that is what we are preparing here for. The, the world to come. If we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, we shall be far more interested in the world to come than in this present world. Yeah. If your interest is in this present world, you have just, you know, put your focus on a wrong mark. Right. You have just put your your attention on a wrong thing. Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 14. If you put your attention so much in this world, this is what's going to happen to this world. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And again, um, if you if you go to verse number 13, um, verse number 11. It says here, we have read that, seeing that we, when all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought it to be in all holy conversation and godliness. You see, Christians, I'll tell you, we are a people that are, you know, um, have so much and done so much in this world. Among the kinds of people in this world, Christians have done so much. I cannot name all of that because there are a lot of things. Without Christianity, I don't know what happened to this world. In fact, if we talk about education and all these, you know, known colleges and universities, 
is all most of that started by Christian people, people who believe in God, people who love the Bible, people who love the you know the, the, teach, the teaching of the Word of God. We talk about all these great universities in this world today. You hear of Harvard University and all these Ivy Leagues universities. You know the Ivy Leagues? These are the select, there are millions of universities, millions of universities in the world. But I'll tell you, there are in the world eight, eight, you know, they call it Ivy Leagues. These are the top universities that so much, you know, people want to, to gain a degree in this university. But all these universities, and most of them, are started by Christians. Harvard University was started by Christians. It is a private Ivy League research university in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It was founded in 1656 as Harvard College and named for its first benefactor, the Puritan clergyman, John Harvard. That is why it's called Harvard, because of that pastor, John Harvard. It is the oldest institution of higher learning in the United States. Its influence, wealth, and rankings have made it one of the most prestigious universities in the world. There's another Ivy League, Yale University. Yale University, this Yale University traces its roots to the 9th or 1640s, 1640s, when church preachers led and people to establish a local college. And what comes out there is the Yale University. Yale University is a private university in New Haven, Connecticut, and one of the eight Ivy League schools. It is widely regarded um, for its high academic standards, selectivity in admission, and social prestige. Yale has a reputation for academic excellence uh, and first-class research, with faculty and graduates including winners of every known honor, including 65 Nobel uh, laureates and five Fields medalists. Another, I believe, Brown University. Brown University. Um, it's a private Ivy League research university in Providence, Rhode Island. <clears throat> it is the seventh oldest institution of higher education in the United States, founded in 1764. And you know what's the motto of the school? The motto of the school, worded in Latin, it says, In Deo Speramus. In Deo Speramus. In other words, in English, in God we hope. That's the motto of the school. And this is Ivy League school. Princeton, Princeton University. Princeton University is a private Ivy League research university in Princeton, New Jersey. Founded in 1746 in Elizabeth as the College of New Jersey, Princeton, uh, supports all this institution of higher education in the United States and one of the nine colonial colleges chartered before the American Revolution. Again, notice what is their motto here. The motto of this Princeton University is um, Dei sub nomine we get. Dei sub 
nomine vide. It's like there is some no, no mind vide, but it's, it's pronounced as there is some nomine vide. And it says in, uh, and there's, a, there's a, a seal of them. The seal is Venus Novum Testamentum. The word Deus Subnomine Wicked is in English written as Under God's power, she flourishes. This is Princeton University. Under God's power, she flourishes. And what's the word Venus Novum Testamentum? Yeah, that is Old and New Testament. In the Bible, Columbia University is another Ivy League. Officially, Columbia University in the city of New York is a private Ivy League research university in New York City, established in 1754 as King's College on the grounds of, university, uh, of Trinity Church in Manhattan. It is the oldest institution of higher education in New York and the fifth oldest in the United States. And notice again the interesting motto of this school. The motto says, In Luminating Tool with the Pickles Lumen. If there's someone here who knows Latin, he might laugh at me and I don't know how to pronounce this. But this is how I learned, you know, when, when I listen how to pronounce this word. In Luminating Tuo Willibimus Lumen. In English, in thy light shall we see light. This is exactly a quote from the Bible from Psalm chapter 36, verse 9. <laughs> that is exactly the verbatim um, word of this motto. Dark, dark mode, college, or we can pronounce this dark mouth. It's a private Ivy League research university in Hanover, New Hampshire. Their motto again is very interesting. The motto is uh, Wops Clamantis in the Circle. Wops Clamantis in the Circle. In English, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Sounds familiar? That is the word of John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Almost all of that I believe that top out of millions of schools here, millions, this top eight, most of them were started by Christians. No Muslim there who started it. No um, uh, um, um, other religions started those kind of schools. Why is that? Why is this? Why? Because God wants us to shine as lights. We are the ones that will proclaim. We are the ones that will show the lights of God. As God said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You are the souls of the world. We are God's, you know, people. We are the people that will exercise a purifying influence in the community in which we live, in a, in a place where, where we where we live. We cannot hide our Christianity. You cannot hide your, your salvation. You cannot yeah. hide your Christianity. Yeah. Do not go to work and 
not one of your workmen knows that you are a Christian. Yeah. You see, we ought to proclaim the light because we are God's light. We do our part and we should yeah. for the betterment of our society. But always remember, while we do everything we can do for the betterment of our society, remember that this world is not our own. Yeah. We are not here forever. We are just pilgrims. We are just people passing through yeah. on our way to heaven. You see, as much as we live peaceably with all men, we must understand that we are first and foremost citizens of heaven. Amen. Our citizenship is not here. Philippians right. chapter 3, verse number 20. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 3, for our conversation is in, is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation, our wonderful life is heavenly. Why we live on this earth, but we walk, heavenly walk. We talk, heavenly talk. We sing, heavenly songs. We work like we are working for God. Why? Because our conversation is not on this earth. Our conversation, our manner of life is in heaven. Ephesians 1, 3. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You see, we live on this earth, but, you know, part of us is, you know, belonging to heaven. Our soul is belonging to heaven. But we work on this earth. That is why we bring, we bring that, that, the person of God here. We proclaim the person of God because God lives in us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 and have raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, our pastor, why Christians are, 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 are blind, is a scared practice. No, no, no. We are not, you know, pessimists. I don't believe that Christians are pessimists. In fact, we are optimists. Although we believe that this world is going to, uh, this world is doomed, we believe that with our heart, but we also believe that, you know, we look for a new heaven and a new earth that God will bring about us. We look forward, our, our future is so bright. Our future is yep. so beautiful. Yep. For those people who deny Jesus Christ, is their choice. But we want them to come and believe in Jesus Christ and, and love him and serve him also. Yep. So again, in our life today, we cannot afford to be worldly Christians. We cannot afford it. We, it's, so, it's so costly, my friend. It's so costly. If you solely use your time for that for this world only, it's so costly. You just don't realize how costly it is. You just don't realize that it's not worth it at the end. If you do not give your life to God, it's your choice, but I will tell you it is costly and you don't like it in the end. So now we have the time to serve the Lord, serve Him faithfully, because this is the we only have this few little time. Do not live in bondage to sins again. Do not live in bondage to follies of this world. The Bible says, lay not your treasure, lay not up your corporate, yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust that corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, 
where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In Titus chapter, one, chapter 2, verse 12. Titus chapter 2, verse number 12. Bible says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. First John chapter 2, verse 15. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You see, let us not get off our focus, my friends. Let us not get off our focus on the things on this world, but let us fix our focus on the things to come. When we think about, when we think of Christ's return, we need to look not just, you know, our own holiness, not just to the things to come, but also we need to look at the work of mission. So we sharing the gospel, telling your loved ones, encouraging the people to believe in Christ. If we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again soon, we shall be deeply concerned for the salvation of those people who are not ready to meet him. We should be greatly concerned, especially that person is living in your own household, especially that person that you meet every day at work, especially with that person that you meet every day at school. You see, first, again, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men have slackness, but is long-suffering to us more. The Lord is not long-suffering to the, to the unbelievers. The unbelievers will die and go to hell. That is already, you know, that is already programmed by God. But you, Christian, the Lord is long-suffering towards you so that God has given you opportunity to share the gospel with those people. You are the one that God is concerned. The Lord does not want you to be ashamed and embarrassed and, 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 and feeling down when you when you come and meet him. God has given you time. He is long-suffering to you, to me. So that those people, we have still time to, you know, compel them to come in, to, to bring them in to the fold of Jesus Christ. So the Lord is long-suffering, not to the unbelievers, but to you, probably also to the unbelievers we know. But again, it's most probably because the Bible says to us what? To us what? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, especially that perishing, the person that's perishing is your loved ones. Especially that perishing is your spouse, your husband, your wife, or maybe your children, or maybe your parents, or maybe your beloved uncle or beloved auntie. God is long-suffering towards you. When are you going to move? When are you going to get up and tell them about salvation? When are you going to show the light of Christ? God is long-suffering to us word. You see, be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord, grow in time. Let us buy up every opportunity 
for bringing the gospel to those who need so desperate. They need this gospel so desperate. They don't know it. I'll tell you, those people that are saying they don't know that they need it. But me, I know that they need it. You that are saying you know that they need it. Those people, they just there. They wake up in the morning, go to work, and have a home, and go holiday, and go to the beach, and, and, and go shopping, as if nothing happens to them. But we know, and God knows, what's the end of this person. That's right. Every person that is the same, every person that you see behind the person is the left, breaking by, and ready to devour the person. Now, you know it, and I know it. Would we just, like, let them die? And not giving them a chance to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When we think about Christ's return, we need to look at our faithfulness. Faithfulness is needed. Our faithfulness does not take us to heaven because we are already bound to heaven. But our faithfulness will make other people to be saved. God can use our faithfulness for others to see God. If there is no faithfulness in you and there is no faithfulness in me, to hell these people will go. Because there's no way that these people can see God in themselves. These people can have a chance of seeing God in us. They do not open the Bible and, 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 and believe it. They do not call upon God in prayer. But they watch you. Yeah. They watch me. That is why, you know, our faithfulness is very needed. Again, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 17. If we believe that Jesus is coming again soon, we shall be steadfast in the midst of worshiping conditions in this world. Steadfast. The world will drag us into sin. The world will pull us away from Christ. Although we cannot be, uh, you know, pulled away really, but our attention, our, our heart will be taken by the world and a lot of Christians whose hearts are taken by the world already. The Bible says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also be led away with an error of the wicked. Fall from your own steadfastness. Be, be faithful to God. Be faithful to Him. Do not give up. Do not give in. Just stick to the Lord. Abide in Him. Because, you know, it, it, so hard to win this battle. Satan is so strong, but we have a God that is stronger than Yeah, him. that's right. Lastly, when we think of, of Christ's return, we need to look at the Word of God seriously. We need to look at the Word of God seriously. Praise the Lord. We have our camp coming, and know our, our team in the camp, <coughs> rejoicing at that Word. Just exactly what we need today. We need yeah. to rejoice yeah. and we need to embrace the Lord. If every word, every promise of God must be must be taken into consideration. If we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again soon, we shall desire above all else to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Him. The last verse there in our text, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, speaks this. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <clears throat> to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Again, this is what verse 18 suggests. And, 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 and again, um, the question here do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know him? 
I know that many of us know him. Many of us can say, many of us are bound to go to heaven and we know it for sure, but there are also some who do not know. And for those who, who, who know, for do, those people who do know, the question again is, how much, how much do you know me? How much do you know me? Oh, I hope that we will have the hearts of a heart desire of Paul when he said in Philippians chapter, chapter 3, verse number 10, this is the only desire that he wants, um, you know, with regards to the word of God. He said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. My friend, the way to grow in grace and to know him, first and foremost, you have to seek the Lord in prayer. Lord, Lord, help me to know you better. We need to meditate upon his word. We need to, you know, have some delight when you see the word of God. Wow, it's a refreshing to your soul. There is this eagerness, there is this you know, desire like a, like a person in the desert runs out of water and he sees, a, you know, a cup of water. And what a delight to his soul seeing that, that water in the thirsty land. The Bible says here in Psalm 119, verse number 97, Psalm 119, verse number 119, verse number 97, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, Lord, I love your word. We hope that all of us Christians, we have this desire. We have this craving. Craving that, you know, you will not think of other things. When you are so thirsty, when you are so thirsty, you will not look at this, you know, a cave over there, and there's a, 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 there's a room over there. You don't look at those things. You want water. You see, craving, oh, how love I, I love. It is my meditation all the day. You see, my friends, all we need to do is anticipate that the Lord is coming. Lord, make me, make me ready. Make me ready upon your coming. Lord, set my heart in the right direction. Lord, let me not think of these things, uh, so much things of this world. Lord, help me. Uh, that my, 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 my wife or my husband will be saved. Lord, help me that, that my children will be saved. Lord, help me, Lord, that I can share the gospel to my parents, to my uncle, to my auntie, yeah. to my, to my uh, best friend and to my husband, Lord. Please help me to, to share the gospel to my workmate. Lord, let, help me not be ashamed because they do not understand and I know what's going to happen to them if yeah. they will not be saved. Yeah. We know that, and all we need to do is pray and anticipate of our Lord's return. And once we do, that will inspire us to live lives that are well pleasing to God Almighty. And the Lord will bless you. And your desire of the Lord, desire of salvation of men and people and souls, will be given to you. Because only God can do it for us. This power is prayer. Let's pray our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Father, for uh, 
we are busy working the things here on this earth, we will not lose our sight of your coming. Because you're coming in very soon. And a lot of people will be surprised. And once they're surprised, it's a bad thing. Because that means they are not prepared. Please, Lord, help me myself, first and foremost, to be prepared. My home. Also, my prayer is for each one of us here this morning to be prepared also for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Please, Lord, save the lost. Save everyone, Lord, that is not saved. Please, Lord, speak to their heart. And, Lord, show to them a simple plan of salvation and help their hearts, Lord, to receive the truth. So, Lord, I pray for those who are saying, but Lord, we have, we have not making some preparation for your coming. Please, Lord, as our bless us this morning. While we bow our heads and close our eyes, we will keep this little time of invitation. If the Lord is speaking to you this morning, and you know that you are not ready, you are saved, but you are not ready. When Jesus Christ will come, you will be embarrassed, you will be um, ashamed. If we come to the Lord, Lord, if this is the last day that I can come and worship you, with it be, Lord, that I will set my, myself to you. Help me, O oh God. If you are like that, come. Come to the Lord. You can pray here. The altar is open. We thank the Lord for His word. Warning us. The Lord is ready to take us
reach out to those people who need salvation because Lord, the time is very short. We don't have much time. Lord, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your long suffering. And until today, Lord, you are waiting for us. And I hope, Lord, that all of us will now act because there's that much time. Bless all of us this morning. Thank you for your goodness and thank you for your joy. Just name your prayer. Right, this, um, it's all started, I can sing the song.